Well, it's, it is good to see you all here today, and today we are continuing our series through the book of Jonah, and uh, as I was thinking about the book of Jonah, what we're going to talk about today, uh, and the nice thing about this, my mom and dad are here today, and so I'm actually telling a story about my mom, so this will be fun. Uh, my mom and dad, they're right over here, they are, uh, they were, they very much believe in, they believed in uh, disciplining children, right mother? Yeah, so she believed very much in that, and the one who disciplined me the most in our family, of course, was my mom, because I, w- I was with her more often than uh, than dad, and so I used to think that mom enjoyed disciplining uh, because it was an aerobic exercise, uh, but actually it was, uh, it was, uh, it was, as I look back on it now, it was for, it was for disobedience, but when mom would spank us, and when, when my sister and I would talk about it, but when she would spank us, it, it didn't hurt as bad as when dad did. And so, uh, so when mom would spank us, you know, it was like, oh, mom's going to spank us. And Stephanie and I kind of chuckle about it. And then, but mother discovered a belt. Now, uh, I don't know how, you know, I don't know if y'all ever did that. You know, some of y'all used spoons and stuff like that, but mom had the belt. And so whenever she would, uh, whenever she'd come after me, whenever I did something wrong, of course, because I have to be careful here because she's here today and I don't want her to come after me again. But when she'd come after me, I would see that belt and man, I would break off into a run. And so it was, I'm sure it was very humorous, uh, if you could watch that on the outside, mom would have the belt, and she's chasing me around the house, you know, and, and uh, in a very calm manner, of course, because my mom is very even. And so she's chasing me around the house, and I'm screaming bloody murder, and then when she caught me, the discipline tended to last a little bit longer, and I thought I should have never run in the first place. Anything, where is this, all this going? I just wanted to share this with you, because they're here today, and so I want you all to talk to her. Uh, but actually, it says, we talk about Jonah... Uh, I thought Jonah Jonah was a runner. Uh, God told Jonah what he wanted him to do, and Jonah was disobedient. And it was like, it was like uh, you know, God going after Jonah, he had to pull out the belt. And Jonah is running away from God. And the, the question that I had when I was reading this was, well, how well did that work out for Jonah as he was running away from God? And what I discovered as I looked in Jonah chapter 1 at the end of it, I discovered there were some real simple lessons that you can learn when you run from God. And I, and I think before you decide you're going to run, there's some things you need to understand that happen if you make the decision to run from God. And today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to look at Jonah and see what happened to him when he ran from God. And I'm telling you this because I believe there are a lot of us, I'd say the majority of people, run from God. And we run from Him and we are disobedient to God. And as that's happening, we need to, we need to take time to think, well, what happens when I do run from God? And, and is there anything that I can do or any lessons I can learn as I am running from God or if I decide to do that? And the answer to that question is absolutely. You can look, you can look at Jonah and see what happened to him when he decided to run. And so if you have your Bible, you can look in Jonah chapter 1. We're going to look at the very the very last verse of Jonah 1, which is verse 17, and uh, if you're curious as to where Jonah is, uh, my Bible is page 750, or 782. Uh, I told you all before, just go to your table of contents if you have a hard time finding it. But go to Psalm, middle of the Bible, and turn right, and eventually you're going to run into Jonah. And as you do that, I'll tell you a little background here. I want to see how much you all been paying attention the last couple of weeks. Uh, Jonah had been given a mission by God. And he had instructions from God as to what he was to do. First service didn't do so well until I gave them some hints. So I'm just going to give you all the hints. So I'll make myself, my parents are here. So I want them to know that you all listen. And so Jonah was instructed by God to go and give a message of destruction to what town? 
Yes. Y'all make me feel good now. My parents are here, so they know that y'all listen. All right, Nineveh. And so Nineveh was in the town of, uh, sorry, in the nation of Babylon. And it was a, it was a horrible, horrible country concerning the way they treated people. And you would think that Jonah would be excited to deliver a message of judgment because he was an Israelite. And the, the, the uh, Ninevites had come. They had destroyed Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple. They had taken people into captivity. And so it's almost like payback time here. It's almost like this could be an exciting mission for Jonah. And yet Jonah, when he heard the mission, he ran from God. So I want to do it. And it's interesting to know his reasons why. His reason why was he was afraid if he gave a message of judgment that the people he hated would turn to God. He was like, man, and if they turn to God, God, because I know him, will be gracious to them. And he didn't want that to happen. As a matter of fact, in Jonah 4, verse number 2, Jonah said, Lord, he said, I know that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents in sending calamity. Jonah wanted them to face judgment, so he ran away from God. And it's here we see some lessons that Jonah learned when he ran away from God. And I think it's lessons we can learn too as we decide, as we make decisions sometimes to run from God. But what lessons can we learn? Well, first of all, running from God leads to distress. If you decide you're going to run from God, I promise you it's going to wreak havoc in your life. It's going to cause problems. Uh, in verse number 17, it says, But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. And from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And he said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. The instruction Jonah received from God was go preach a message of destruction. Go tell these people what I'm getting ready to do because their wickedness has come up from before me. So Jonah gets the message, so what does he do? Well, in verse 3 of chapter 1, it says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Now, just to let you know, this was a town that was in the exact opposite direction of where God wanted him to go. Uh, some scholars are not real sure where it's located, but some scholars think that it was over 2,000 miles away from where God intended for Jonah to go. I mean, he is big time running away from God. Now, let me tell you something about running away from God here. You can't get away from God. Especially if you're a person who makes a decision that you are going to follow God, you're going to submit your life to God, you need to understand that you now belong to God. And God is not limited into, as to where he is. You know, God's not just located in Blythewood. And you think, if I just get out of Blythewood, I get away from God. Um, it's, it's, he's not just located in South Carolina. He's not just located and bound by a nation. It, this is, everything is God's. God's everywhere. We're told in Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And if you live in disobedience to God, if you are living contradictory to what God teaches in Scripture and you are a follower of God, God will discipline you. He will cause your life to be lived in distress that's what happened to Jonah. He disciplined Jonah. Jonah ran from him. And God said, I can't let my child run from me. I will discipline him. Now, how did he do it? Well, Jonah's on a boat and he sends a storm his way. 
And that storm didn't get Jonah's attention. And so the sailors on board the boat, they, they started getting worried and they began to throw things overboard. And eventually they actually picked up Jonah and they threw him overboard. And after he got thrown overboard, the, the Bible says, it's one of these incredible stories, a big fish came along and swallowed Jonah. Now I can't imagine what that experience was like. Can you imagine getting swallowed by a big fish? He gets swallowed by a big fish. Now if that happens to you, what's one of the first things you're going to do? You are going to cry out to God. When we were flying back uh, uh, yesterday, or yeah, I guess it was yesterday, flying back from Haiti, uh, we had we had some turbulence. Do you remember that, Ryan? We had a little bit of turbulence. It was amazing to me how many people all of a sudden were like, they were grabbing their seats, and I guarantee you there were prayers going up to the Lord right then. Oh, God, save us. I mean, they didn't even have to be Christians. He finds, he finds turbulence in his life, and he begins to call out to God. As a matter of fact, we are told Jonah, it says, in his distress, he called out to God. He was communicating with God. Now, what would be nice is if we would not wait for distress to come into our lives before we call out to God. Because if you, if you would do that, then you would get to avoid the whole discipline part that God brings upon his disobedient children. But we need to understand it is impossible for us to be disobedient to God and think that we can get away scot-free from God without God ever intervening into our lives. You know, it's so easy to think that God's so big that he doesn't know what's going on in my life. There's so many people in this world, there's no way that God can pay attention to me. But you know what the Bible says? It says God knows us intimately. And whenever we run from God, he knows it. Let me just read to you a couple of scriptures. In Hebrews 12, 6, it says, The Lord will discipline those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Now, why would, why would God do that? 1 Corinthians eleven thirty two says, When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will, be not, so that we will not be condemned with the world. God disciplines us because he cares for us. See, he disciplines us because he knows that if we get so far off track that we will end up not achieving the purposes that he's created us for. And that we're going to end up finding destruction and despair in our lives. I mean, I, and I, I try to think of it like this. You know, parents, why, why do you discipline your children? Because it's fun, right? No, I mean, no, you discipline your children because you love them. Because you know if they go so far away, then they need to know where the boundaries are. And so you want to keep them from getting into trouble. So you discipline. Now, is discipline fun? No, as a matter of fact, you, you, typically you hate to do it. Because you want your kids to like you. You want to be popular with them. But sometimes to spare your children requires inflicting punishment. I've read a story about a, a train conductor, and as he was going down the tracks, he noticed something that was on the track. And at first he thought it was a dog, but as they got closer, he realized it was a little, it was a little girl. And she was 18 months old, and he immediately threw the brakes up. And when he put the brakes on, the, the train began to slide to a stop, but he knew it was not going to get there in time. It wasn't going to stop in time before it hit the girl. So he crawled out of the train, got on the front part of the train, like the grill part, and he sat there and he was balancing himself. And as he got close to the girl, he grabbed that girl and threw her as far as he could. And he said she just went tumbling head over heels down, down the hill. And he said when the train came to a stop, he, he jumped off the train, went to check on the girl, and he said she had cuts and scrapes and blood all over her face, a fat lip. And he said she was hurt. 
He said, but she was alive. And sometimes God, like the conductor, has to punish us, bring hurt into our lives in order to save us. In order to protect us. You see, God doesn't discipline us because he gets a kick out of it. God disciplines us because he wants us to achieve and to live the life for which he's created us. Now, God sent a fish to get Jonah's attention to discipline him. He sent that fish to remind him, Jonah, this is what your task is. He wanted him to go and to fulfill the purpose for which he created him. Now, what I I would just like you to think about and to consider today in your own life is, are you, first of all, are you being disciplined by God in your life right now? Are there things that are going on in your life where, where you feel distress, where you feel uncomfortable, where you feel like that things just aren't meshing and working out? And I think a question when we go through those times in our lives is to step back and just say, am I going through this because I'm being disobedient to God? Am I going through this because there is, it's very possible that God's trying to get my attention to let me know that I'm not on the right track? Am I discontented in my life? Because I'm not being obedient to God. So take time to talk to God about that. And then secondly, look in your life and see, are there things that I'm doing in my life right now that are contradictory to what I know God wants me to do? And if there are things that you know right now, that you know that you're doing in your life that God would not be pleased with, as believers, you know what a step we need to take is? Is to talk to God and say, God, I, I'm sorry. God, I want to be obedient to you, and I will turn away from that, and I will change the way that I live. Because if we live in disobedience, there's going to be distress. Jonah, he lived in disobedience. Let me tell you something. He was living in distress and affliction. Now, what's the lesson we can learn if we run from God? One of the lessons you can learn is running from God, it will lead to distress. But another lesson we can learn if we run from God is this one. This one's an interesting one to me. And that is that the predicaments we run into when we're living in disobedience, guys, are our fault. When we run from God and you find yourself in bad predicaments, a bad situation, let me tell you, it is your fault when you're living in disobedience to God. Let me read to you in in verse number 3 of chapter 2. This is Jonah. He said, You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I mean, he's being swallowed by a fish here. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Jonah was in the midst of a massive storm. Now, why, why was he there? Now, I want to say this first of all. I do believe there are times we we face storms in our lives. When we go through bad things, bad things can happen to us. Just because this is life. You know, I mean, I know good people who've experienced horrible things. was, Was God on their case? You know what? I think it's just life. Sometimes life is hard. It is rough and it's not fair. And I, there's a lot of times I believe that God has nothing to do with that. 
But as I say that, there's another side. There are times when we go through rough situations, rough patches in life because of our disobedience. It's our fault. We run from God and we get into trouble. Why was Jonah in the storm? Jonah was in the storm because he's disobedient. God sent a storm. It didn't get Jonah's attention. You remember, y'all remember what Jonah was doing when the storm came? He's asleep. Oblivious to what's going on around him. So then uh, the sailors get nervous. They're trying to call it to their gods. I mean, what's going on here? They pick up Jonah. They throw him overboard. When they throw him overboard, that did get Jonah's attention. But Jonah came to a very, a very wise realization. And that is, I'm here because it's my fault. Now, sometimes we need to look at what we're going through. And so, you know what? Very possibly, I'm here because it's my fault. Now, we don't live in a world like that anymore. We live in a world now where it's, it's a part of our psyche to say it's somebody else's fault. You know, I talk to people and they have anger management problems and they'll say, well, it's just the way I was raised. It's my parents' fault. Now, other people I talk to, they'll talk about their marriages. The marriages are in, in shambles. And they'll say, yeah, I just, I just have, I, I can't get along with my spouse because my spouse is a jerk. It's their fault. I'm going through all these things in my life right now because society doesn't treat me fair. It's society's fault. Guys, let me tell you something. It's time for a lot of us to own up to it and say, you know what? It's my fault. Just suck it up and say, it's my fault. It's me. It's me living in disobedience to God. There's only one thing that we can control, and that is how we are going to respond to the circumstances that come our way. It's up to us how we respond. Now, if you're going to allow your circumstances to dictate how you respond, you're going to be all over the board. You're going to be an emotional basket case. Your emotions are going to toss you to and fro. And that's why we have to have a standard concerning how we live our lives. Concerning how we respond. And that standard is to be Jesus and his word. And so what that means is it means that you're going to live according to what he commands, not according to what you want and what you feel. And there's going to be times when God's will for your life is not going to match up with what you want. That's how it was with Jonah. Jonah did not want to do God's will with the people of Nineveh because those people were crummy. But because he belonged to God, he was to be obedient to the leadership of God. You know, there are are times when God calls me to do things that I don't want to do. But if I'm going to live in obedience, it means I will lay, I will submit my wants to God and say, God, I will do what you want me to do. And let me tell you something, I am learning, I still learn this, but when I'm obedient to God, even when I don't want to be, I am learning that I am blessed that I get blessed when I'm obedient to God. And you know, the same thing will be true for you. Now, I'm going to share two examples. One, just real briefly, just because we were there at Haiti. Let me tell you something. I don't want to go to Haiti. It's not like a vacation spot, you know? I mean, I didn't want to go there. But you know what? Because we went, I was blessed. And I guarantee you, every person who went will say the same thing, that they were blessed because they were obedient. Now, a mundane example in life in obedience to God. I mean, I, I, I say this off. I, w- again, when we were in Haiti, the worst drivers I have ever seen in my life live in Haiti. I thought it was South Carolina. Um, it, is, it is now Haiti has taken the cake. It is crazy there. I mean, I don't know how those people survive when they're down there. 
But when I drive here, I, I have discovered that I'm the best driver in the world. And, uh, and I look at all the other drivers as we're driving along. Uh, one of the pet peeves that I have is as I'm driving, um, I'll, I, I put on cruise control if I'm on the interstate. So I put on cruise control, and there'll be somebody come up, so I'll get over because I'm a good driver. And they'll pass me, and then they'll get over in front of me, and then you know what they do? Yeah, y'all know these people. They will slow down. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, this drives me nuts, but I'm okay. I'll get over again. Cruise control, I get in front of them, get over and then they pull back out, and they do the same thing. Now, my first thought, and this is honest, my first thought is, I wonder if that person goes to our church. Because if they don't, yeah, I'm trying to figure out how I can cover up my Village Church sticker and just let them know how I feel. And uh, so I, I but, but as I'm doing that, there are times when I will actually, and if Emily's with me, she's a good reminder for me, is you need, okay, what would Jesus do? And, uh, and I'm thinking that he would not give them a car. And so, and so as we're driving along, so I, and I, so when she says, she'll say something, kind of get my attention off. I say, okay, Lord, I, I want, Lord, it's not my will, my, and my will to want to do what you want me to do. Okay, but I'm going to try to do it. Now, this doesn't happen often. But, uh, and I'm trying, I'm working on this. But there will be times when I've, I've actually done this. To get away from that person, I will actually drop back. And there's been, there's been a time or two when I've actually gotten off on the exit so they can get on ahead of me. And you know what happens whenever I actually do that, and I'm, this seems unbelievable, I actually relax, and I don't feel like that I'm ready to just jump on somebody and wring their neck. I mean, there's peace that comes. Now, that's just a mundane, everyday example, but whenever I am obedient to God, there is peace that comes with it. Now, I look at Jonah, and I think, what would have happened had Jonah been obedient to God from the very beginning? He would have missed the storm. Guys, how many storms in our lives would we miss if we just be obedient to God? So there's some lessons that, that we learn when we run from God. One is it leads to distress. Secondly, one lesson that we can learn is the predicaments that we face when we're disobedient to God. They're our fault. It, it, it's not your mom and dad. It's you. It's me. It's our fault. This last one's going to be a little more positive, and that is another lesson that we can learn when we're running from God, is the journey back to God is not always beautiful. And that's a lesson we need to learn. If you decide you're going to come back to God, it's not always going to be a beautiful experience at the beginning. Let me read to you verses 9 and 10. It says, But I, with the song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah unto dry land. I was listening to a message online a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, man, this, this is an interesting point. Uh, you know, getting back on the right track with God is not always going to be a pretty picture. Now, when I think of getting back with, with God, getting right with God again, one of the stories I think of in the Bible is the prodigal son. Remember, the prodigal son ran from his dad. He comes to his senses, comes back. You remember how his dad greeted him? He runs out to him. He hugs him. He puts a robe on him, gives him a signet ring, gives him shoes. They kill a fattened calf, and they have a party. You think, now, that's great. But it doesn't always work that way. Look at Jonah. What does Jonah do? Verse number 9, Jonah comes to his senses. He's in the belly of a fish. It says, what I vowed, Lord, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. Now, verse number 9, this is a statement of faith from Jonah. This is a, he's repenting here. God, I was wrong, and I'm sorry, and I will quit doing what I was doing, running from you, and I'll be obedient to you. It is a statement of faith. Now, did God throw him a party right after this? 
The next thing that happens is it says Jonah was vomited up by a fish. That is not a pretty picture. His deliverance was not something that he would say, man, I would love to do that again. It was messy. Guys, sometimes whenever we come back to God, it will be hard. It will be messy. You see, if you really are going to be serious about God and you're going to return to him, it's going to mean sacrifice on your part. You know, I believe there's some of us, when we, if we really look at our lives, there are things we will have to give up to come back to God. This is the repentance part. That so often we just, want to, we just want to snap our fingers like genie and everything's going to be perfect again. There are things we must give up. For some, it could be that there are people that you are with and you know that they are ungodly and they pull you down and away from God. And there's, those are some relationships you need to move from. And there are others of us. And the business practices that maybe we've had for years, if we're going to repent and be right with God, it means to change the way we do business. It means to change the way that we handle our finances. Now, I really believe that's one of the big things of why so many people refuse to come back to God, because it's going to be messy and difficult to do it, because it's going to be a struggle to do that. But as we come back to God, there are great things that happen. Now, for Jonah, as he returned to God, while it wasn't a pretty picture, there was something amazing that came out of it. What happened is the city of Nineveh was transformed. There was, there was a revival that broke out. People turned to God, and God spared the people. Now, can you imagine that, being obedient to God and seeing an entire capital city turning back to God, an entire nation, actually? I can't imagine what that would be like that happened in just some of our neighborhoods. Neighborhoods being changed by the power of God. Here was a man, now he went through the struggle of coming back to God and because he did something beautiful came out of it, lives were changed. Now Village Church for us, my hope is that we don't get so caught up in the immediate, what's right in front of us, that we only see how we can take care of ourselves and miss out on seeing the ultimate I don't want us just to see the immediate. I want us to see the ultimate. See, I want us to see that as we come together and as we are obedient to God, that through God, as God works through us, our neighborhoods can be changed. That our, our town can be transformed. As I believe that. Let's not get so caught up in the immediate. What's God going to do for me? How's God going to feed me? How's this church going to feed me? Let's look into the future. Let's look beyond the immediate. And let's look out and say, how can God work through me so that we can see lives transformed here like in Nineveh? Where people drop to their knees and say, oh God, forgive us. We lived in sin. We were wrong. Village Church, let's move towards putting the things of God first in our lives. Not ourselves, but the things of God first. Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. You see, when we run from God, there are lessons to be learned. Storms are going to come. We're going to live in emptiness. We're going to feel vulnerable. But if you are ready... For rescue, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And say, God, it's not what I will, but it is what you will. God, it's not what I want, but Lord, what you want from my life and from this church. 
And then we need to find God and tell him that in our prayer. Say, God, your will. And then we need to demonstrate our faith by doing and living according to his word. And I hope as we go through this series that we'll see some steps that we can take to live according to God's leadership. I believe there are others of us, others of us here today, and we need to give ourselves to Jesus. To say, God, I, I give myself to you and your leadership because I, you are the only chance I've got. And like the Ninevites, I need your redemption. Now what I'd like for us to do as we close, I'd just like for us to bow our heads and close our eyes. And this is just going to be a time between you and the Lord. And for those of you who are already believers, you can just simply talk to God where you are. Say, God, I, I've been running from you. I've been disobedient to you, just like Jonah was. But Lord, today I want to demonstrate my commitment to you to let you know that I'm willing to follow you. I am going to reprioritize things in my life. And begin to understand my focus in life is not to be me, it is to be others. And I'm to serve others in the power of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'll open my eyes and provide opportunities for me to do that. Others of you, you need to give yourself to Christ today. And you just simply need to talk to God and say, Jesus, today I give my life to you. Forgive me, God, of my sin. And I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. To redeem my life like you did, Jonah, when you pulled him out of the pit and gave him new life. Jesus, I need new life. And if you prayed that prayer or something like it, I'll just encourage you. You pull out your bulletin, you can open it up, and you can fill out that section on the right side. And check that line that says, I committed my life to Christ. And you put that in the offering basket so we can get you some information in growing in a walk with Jesus. Father God, I am grateful for the story of Jonah. And I thank you, Jesus, that you chased him down. You chased him down in love, not in, not in anger, but in love. And I thank you, Lord, that we see that Jonah learned his lessons. And he became obedient to you. And because of his obedience, a nation was changed. Lord, because of our obedience to you, may a world be changed. Jesus, may Blythewood be changed in Columbia. May our neighborhoods be changed. Because we have a heart and a passion for people. And I pray this in Jesus' name.